Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Getting traded to Minnesota changes nothing. Six foot four guys running four fours. These guys don't grow on trees. And a lot of times I'm willing to bet on, especially, you know, long term on the freak athlete. You don't ever want to overreact to what guys look like in preseason. There's been a ton of preseason all-stars that never make rosters or, or never pan out. Welcome back to Belly Up Fantasy Live. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I am your host, Adam LaRue. As always, joined by Chris Dauhauer. Chris, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Football right around the corner, Adam. Two days away. Yes, I mean, very, It's no very more talking. Exciting. actually get to see some football and, talk, and not just like, read about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, an exciting first matchup we get here with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Rams and Bills, so definitely soak for that. Uh, really, a couple good matchups for the first weekend. We'll definitely get into um, the handful of those today. Um, but what what sticks out to you as far as what you're you're wanting to see this weekend before we get into some of the news? Um, just kind of some of the new systems or new players and some of the new systems, I should say. So, like you know, looking at the new quarterback team, Russell Wilson kind of returned to Seattle. Of course, that's really exciting to see. I talked about that Denver. I mean, I talked about that uh, Bills Rams game, possibly a Super Bowl uh, preview. You know, uh, favorites uh, going head to head. You know, and then some of the you know off the radar things such as like the Atlanta Falcons, where I'm thrilled to see kind of you know the London Pitts pairing and that kind of you know new new attack they can kind of use the Arthur Smith and you know we know his ability to kind of you know feature that tight end and slot receiver. So. Some different systems. New Orleans is another one jumps to mind. So that game in general is going to be exciting to see. So yeah, I'm really excited to see kind of new faces, new places, and some of the new coaching staffs and seeing, you know, are, is it going to be same old, same old, or are guys that you know also be right all off season actually going to take you know shape? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be really exciting to see how some of these teams, uh, to your point, like do uh, to start the season, especially the teams that we don't expect a lot from or you know, the media or like betting circles don't expect a lot from. I mean, it it feels like there's normally a team that kind of jumps from out of nowhere or from mediocrity into some kind of contention. 
Um, so kind of lo looking at who will that be um, this year. Um, definitely a, a handful of teams that I think are projected, you know, close to 500 or a little less that, that have a strong opportunity to jump out. Um, but I mean, we saw, obviously this was a handful of years ago now, but the Panthers, um, when they went on their Super Bowl run, where they ultimately lost the year prior, they were seven, eight, one, then all of a sudden they're 14 and two the next season. So those jumps happen. Um, so definitely uh, keen to see, you know, if there's anything like that going on this season. Um, like I said, though, we're going to get into some news and one that I am very excited about um, as I've been drafting this guy all over the place and have been preaching um, for you all to do so as well all summer. And that is James Robinson is ready for week one. He will be playing week one. Chris, how do we feel about this? Yeah, I have um, a couple of my fantasy teams, so I'm definitely taking your advice about rostering James Robinson. Um, but I'm a little cautious. Um, I'm, I tend to be right. when it comes to off injuries, especially with my expectations of the guys, you know, gonna when I expect them to kind of be eased in. Now, maybe he comes out right off the bat and gets 15, 20 carries. I doubt it. So mm -hmm. I kind of like to kind of wait on these guys. So he won't be somebody I'm necessarily playing this week, even though he'll be active. But I'll be definitely watching to see how many snaps he gets. How does he look? Does he look explosive? I think the big thing, you want, do you want to see James Robinson – is he is he had the same kind of burst he had you know average of four and a point six yards yeah. per carry last year with a basically a atrocious offensive line and, and a questionable system at best. So I think James Robinson has a chance to kind of shine, but you don't want to expect too much in you know, week one personally. No, absolutely agreed. Um, we'll belly up fantasy lives most of the same channels. Um, you'll see Andrew and the crew on Saturday do some start sit stuff, um, but uh, uh, you know preview of that is a lot of these guys, whether it's uh, J.K. Dobbins, if he ends up playing, or James Robinson, or the, these guys that you know are coming off injuries and they make it, but it's really tight. You know, Those are kind of the guys that week one I'm going to want to stay away from, but I'm super, still really excited um, that they're here sooner rather than later. Michael Thomas, another example of that, although he's been around for a little bit longer um, and as such, you know, a little bit more likely to throw him into your lineup, but if you don't have to, then you're not going to. Um, moving on to our next piece of news. That's another guy coming off of injury. That's Isaiah McKenzie. He had a little little uh, hiccup there for the last like, week or two. Um, he was a full participant in practice today. Um, many eyes on you know what ends up happening with that slot role in Buffalo because it is one that gets featured heavily, or at least it had under Dable. Of course, we'll see. Um, you know, if that may, continues to be the case, I expect it will be. But nonetheless, um, Chris, is McKenzie your guy kind of in that that slot, you know, role in Buffalo? If You know, obviously, now that he's healthy. Yeah, well, first of all, he's going finish off, you know, Jacksonville point. Travis Etienne is still a good play. So don't get nervous yeah. because you hear Travis no, Robinson is going to be healthy. I think it's some guy you still want to have your, in your lineups. Um, you know, moving on to, you know, this situation, I think that, McKenzie's the guy that's more explosive. You know, they signed Jamison Crowder, but they don't have a lot rest of the other than this year. Um, they have every reason in the world kind of move on from the guy. He's been injured a lot. He's already had problems with that being in Buffalo. So McKenzie, you know, showed you something last year, had that nice game versus Atlanta where he had about 10, 11 catches, shows you can kind of shine in that role. And you've heard nothing but praise, you know, great things about him in camp. Um, this Buffalo team is going to play a lot of three receiver sets. You know, that's not going to necessarily change. We've heard all the time about Gabriel Davis. Well, McKenzie's the guy that I think if you're in a full point PPR league, you definitely are rostering. Maybe even half point, you know, some standard leagues you're looking at this guy because he might have one of those floors that Cole Beasley did a couple of years ago where you can kind of shine out a little more explosive than Cole Beasley. And just to add one more plug, you know, on Fridays we cover our DFS show on MD's Fantasy Football Show. And Absolutely. to me, this is a guy that I have as on my DFS lineups that Thursday night game and a lot of my playing for a lot of things. He's very cheap. And I have him for a captain in a few different teams where, you know, you can play him cheap and a guy who's probably going to get featured versus the Rams because I don't think Jalen Rams is going to be shadowing him. Yeah, definitely good call. And definitely make sure to check out their show on Friday. Um, always some real quality stuff, um, especially once you are into the season. Um, so much good knowledge over there. Um, our next piece of news before we get into some of the depth chart news, which is, you know, a little bit separate. Uh, Van Jefferson is still day-to-day -day with his injury, which could open the door for someone like a Tutu or like a Skoronek or even um, 
uh, their guy that, you know, won the roster spot uh, a while ago or, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, so definitely it could be a door opened if Van Jefferson is unable to suit it up um, this upcoming Sunday. What, what's your thought as far as that third receiver for this Rams offense? Because it's a position that gets utilized quite a bit, but with it, um, you know, being a, a question mark right now as to who's going to play, are you avoiding it at least for week one? Not necessarily. So I'll throw a third name into that kind of, you know, name of the third receiver stepping up. And I'll put Tyler Higby in there. This is a guy that we've kind of been waiting for to kind of shine. Matthew Stafford tends to like to do those tight ends. We've been kind of waiting for him. You know he's going to be out there because he blocks. He was out there for 80% of the snaps last year. So Tyler Higby would be a guy. Now, it's a tough matchup because Milano is a great coverage linebacker for Buffalo. But if you can get some, you know, matchups off of him, versus some of these safeties or some of these other linebackers. You know, Ebbets is the best coverage guy in the world. So, hey, he's a guy I would kind of keep in mind. I would necessarily bank on one of those three receivers. I think you're going to see kind of a specialist role kind of shine out. We saw, like, Deshaun Jackson last year have that kind of speed role. I think you're going to see Tutu have that kind of role. You might see the other receivers kind of rotate was, um, you know, Solar Quetch. I can't believe he's on that team. I hate I hate him. Um, but also, the you know, the kid you're talking about that made the team – they have some different options there, um, but I think overall you're going to see guys kind of filling in different roles per se, whether it's a blocking role or that you know red zone role or the big play role. I don't think guys going to kind of be you know shine out as that third guy until Van Jefferson kind of returns. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I definitely think unless Van Jefferson is the guy, it'll be a combination unless someone truly steps up um, for sure. So let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsor, Manscaped, and, of course, Dan, who goes ahead and reads over that. It's always amazing. Um, we'll, we'll get a word from them, and then when we get back, we'll be into the depth charts um, that have kind of been announced over the last day or two. Um, definitely some interesting you know, pieces of knowledge uh, for us to go over um, as we head into the season. Fellas, the fantasy football draft season is right around the corner. CeeDee Lamb is good, but have you seen these beautiful balls? It's time to get your snake looking right for this snake draft with sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have created a championship lineup with the Performance Package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Tom Brady didn't come out of retirement for you to have hairy balls. So slot it at the quarterback and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to put the PP back in a PPR league. And we are back. Thank you so much, Dan, and thank you so much to Manscaped. Definitely make sure to uh, go ahead and check their stuff out. Um, again, we're going to get into some depth chart stuff. So our first order of business is the Dallas Cowboys. Noah Brown is a starter for the Dallas Cowboys, um, which how their receiver group is having all these injuries and whatnot um, for week one. I'm not going to take too, too much stock in that, but it is certainly something worth mentioning because uh, of the passing volume that's here. What I found most interesting, and Chris, uh, you know, temperature gauged me here, was that officially, at least on the depth chart, or officially unofficially, they're the unofficial depth charts, um, you know, until uh, about game time when the quote-unquote official ones come out. But for all intents and purposes, this is what the coaches are uh, working with. And that's that Jalen Tolbert actually is the backup to Michael Gallup when Michael Gallup eventually returns, at least according to the depth chart. Um, so, Chris, do you believe that in three wide receiver sets that Noah Brown um, will outlast Jalen Tolbert um, in those sets, in those situations? I, I do not. 
<laughs> I think that what you're basically, I mean, I think that what you're going to see is kind of a personal grouping, depending on what the, the, what's going on in the game. You see this in San Francisco. Uh, you see Jennings play. You'll see Kendrick Bourne back in the day play. The guys who are kind of more the blocking slot receiver. This still mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're not going to see Debo or Ayuk out there necessarily, but you're going to see that other receiver out there sometimes, especially on running situations. So, yes, I think that he has a role. I know Brown's probably the guy who does little dirty things. Um, he's going to probably – he's a good blocker, a guy who, you know, is a good possession receiver but doesn't bring a whole lot other to the offense. I also caution everybody, and I, I kind of uh, bitched about this off-air earlier today, about the always updates about these unofficial uh, depth charts. <laughs> Basically, it's it's just us guessing or people, whoever they're posting it, guessing who they think should be the starter or what's going to happen. Um, I think, you know, basically we realize that when it comes to the food chain, who's probably going to get targeted, you know, third or fourth most in this offense is really probably going to be a Tolbert versus a Noah Brown. Maybe it could change. Maybe Noah Brown will shine out, but I haven't heard that great of things from camp. They all of a sudden think Noah Brown's going to be, you know, the second coming. Um, So I think this is more of a formality than an actual depth thing that I'm, you know, be worried about from Jalen Tolbert. I'm not big on Tolbert as it is, but I can't, I can't jump on that one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Don't uh, read too, too much into that unless Noah Brown was to start um, playing out of his mind to start the season. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe it on that one. Our next one, though, a little bit more um, uplifting for you, uh, Chris, is Rondell Moore is officially listed as a starter in Arizona. Um, yeah, he, he will be uh, he will have a role here, which I think is big here in year two. Um, there's also no clear RB2. It was distinctly um, Henderson or Eno Benjamin. So there's no clear RB2, at least as of now. Um, but Rondo Moore, I think, is the big one here. So, Chris, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think this is a little different, you know, than the Rams situation. We talked about a third or fourth receiver. What can they kind of do? Um, you know, Lance McClendon is the other receiver we were talking about earlier. Don't necessarily read into, you know, preseason hype. So in this situation, we didn't see a lot of Rondell Moore with Arizona, but we do know Christian Kirk moved on, who played a quite a bit of snaps. We know DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the first eight weeks. We know Marquise Brown's on the team, but Marquise Brown also gets injured quite often, has a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, so when you look at this roster in general, one of the weapons that seems to be kind of consistent will be Rondell Moore. Whether he's going to be utilized as kind of a gadget player, we saw last year, war which I think you're going to see a lot more is actually being utilized as a receiver because this guy isn't just a gadget player. He's a fantastic route runner, one of the explosive receivers coming out of college, you know, two years ago. So I think he'll get kind of unleashed, especially in that slot position. I'm not worried long-term either about him kind of, you know, getting forgotten about as the season progresses. I think if anything, when Hopkins returns or Marquise Browns is, you know, shining, it's not going to hurt Ron Dunmore as it's going to make his job easier. All he has to do is run option routes. I mean, basically, and in Kyle Murray's system, in that Arizona system, you can eat quite well off of that, and you can make big plays, especially with the ball in your hands. I think Rondell Moore quietly, you know, been forgotten about as a second-year player because he didn't have that great rookie year. He didn't kind of shine out like Elijah Moore had that great stretch. But, you know, this guy can do just as much as anything else, anybody else going to that dra- coming out of that draft last year. So I think Rondell Moore is going to kind of shine out, especially in this role. Yeah, I think he's great value wherever you can uh, get your hands on him for sure. Definitely go ahead and do it. Um, our next one, uh, another one that's a bit more of a formality. Um, both of these pieces, really, I think we expected both of these, um, but it came out today officially. Um, not only is Trubisky the starter, which is the news today, but also he is a captain. Um, he was actually named a captain before he was named the starter, but today he was officially finally named the starter. Um, also, Jalen Warren has officially won the RB2 battle for the time being over Benny Snell and uh, company over in Pittsburgh. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's anything too unheard of, too out of the blue here. So I think we can kind of move on to our next piece. And, Chris, I do kind of want your take here, and that is Rashad White is the RB2 in Tampa Bay. He had some struggles in the preseason, uh, week two especially, I believe, if if I'm remembering correctly. But nonetheless, he does win out for the RB2 job um, in Tampa Bay. So, Chris, um, does that move the needle for you at all, uh, especially given, you know, his his strengths whereas this pass-catching guy? Um, and obviously we've seen in Tom Brady offenses that be a very fruitful role for running backs. So is this 
you know, Lenny's still going to be the workhorse we kind of saw him be last year for most of the time where he was healthy? Or, um, you know, is there some inkling of, of value here? So just a couple of things on this situation. So from what I'm understanding from Tampa Bay Insiders, no, Fournette's not going to have this necessarily the same role he had last year. They don't want him having 18 to 25 carries or touches per game. They think that was too much. They kind of wore him down a little bit. He didn't really have that usage initially in the beginning of the season. You kind of saw that as guys got banged up and as they kind of you know, needed him, he had stepped up. It was great for fantasy owners, but for the team, they feel like it's something they don't necessarily want Fournette to have to do all season long. So there will be more guys involved. Now, it doesn't necessarily hurt him because if he gets, you know, still most of the key touches, so most of the time he's out there in red zone time or down there in pet situations, losing a couple snaps here or there is not going to make a break for net. But what I do think I also hear is that when it comes to Rashad White, yes, he's number two. But if anything was to happen to Fournette, that there would basically be a committee that was going to basically replace him. We saw this in New England, and you usually see that with Tom Brady. There's going to be a guy who catches the passes. And it could be White. But it also could be Gia Bernard, who's still still on this roster, did resign. Um, it also could be the running backs in general fall pretty far in the food chain when you look at the receiver court. Julio Jones is your fourth receiver. Russell Gage is out there. So there's a lot of guys that you know can be fed for targets that I don't necessarily think that what we thought wait, the great pass catcher. I don't know if it's going to necessarily be as fruitful as you hope. We saw that with Gia Bernard last year. We kept waiting for Gina Bernard to be worth something. Ever gone and you'll wind up really panning out. So yeah, I think if there's an injury, he puts it on my radar, but it doesn't make me kind of jump all over white because I think this is still something that really remains to be seen. And like I said, everything I hear, there'd be Keyshawn Vaughn usage, there'd be Gio Bernard usage, there'd be white usage because yeah, he didn't do everything perfectly in preseason and there are some struggles. So there'd be kind of a rotation of facts accordingly. Yeah, uh, definitely what I would expect as well. Again, um, he wouldn't, if there was an injury, he wouldn't do more than a roll. I don't think he's uh, a completely well-rounded back just quite yet. Um, moving on to our next one, and this is a quick one. In um, On the Chargers, there is no clear RB2. Of course, Sony Michel uh, just came to town after being released from the Dolphins. He has immediately slotted in, kind of similar to how we talked about you know, Benjamin and Daryl Henderson, it is uh, listed on the depth chart as Robert Kelly or Sony Michelle. So I don't know about you, Chris, but that to me seems like um, it's Sony Michelle's once he learns this this freaking playbook. Like once he's locked in, uh, that's Sony Michelle's RB two role. Unless Chris, you think I'm mistaken? No. Well, first of all, we are mistaken with is it's Daryl Williams, not Daryl Henderson. I think the Arizona oh, wishes yeah. they had Daryl Henderson <laughs> pairing with you know Benjamin. Yes, correct. Um, correct. But I, I think that Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams have more of a clear role where Eno Benjamin's going to be a pass-catching guy, similar to Chase Edmonds. But if something were to happen to James Conner, you're probably going to see that both of those guys, where Williams would be the short yardage guy, kind of what he was in Kansas City. He's a good pass protector, catch the ball a little bit. Um, in this situation, I think Sonny Michelle is a speculative buy. I heard, you know, Kelly looked better. Kelly's been there for two years now. I think he's done the thing, you know, overly special. And even when he kind of shines out, quote-unquote, does he do anything more than Sonny Michelle can do? So for me, I think Sonny Michelle is the guy that I'm going to add is what I'm kind of being speculative. I would probably invest my, you know, time and energy resources if I have a roster spot. Um, I also think that this is also a really important place for Sonny Michelle to kind of save his career, so to speak. If it doesn't kind of pan out, if he doesn't become that second running back, this guy can quickly be forgotten about and out of the league soon. So I also think he has all the motivation in the world to kind of, you know, earn that role. And, I know he hasn't been utilized the way that he had been in college, which I still don't understand, but he has a lot of similar skill sets to Melvin Gordon. So mm-hmm. I love you to come out on that, Adam, because I think that you kind of saw that with Sonny Michelle too, that, you know, this isn't a guy who can't catch the ball. So when it looks at what he could do with Eckler, it's interesting. Yeah, no, well, also, I, I think the reason this has been such a hot topic thing as far as, um, you know, who's going to be the RB2 in LA is because, Eckler does have some injury history and he is an older back, a smaller back and one that's getting used a lot. Um, So I think that there is real importance in finding who is going to be that second guy for the chargers because either a, they're going to get a lot of run from the onset because they're trying to keep Eckler healthy or B you're likely going to see him eventually due to injury or some kind of rest or um, whatever. But yes, Sonny Michelle's skill set is definitely like, it's well-rounded. He is a good between the tackle runner. Um, which he really, I, I feel like, became more of a strength in 
uh, in the pros. I feel like, uh, you know, in at Georgia, he was someone who his speed and his quickness were winning him on the outside and as a receiver and doing all things really well there. Um, but he, he can be utilized in any way, shape, or form as a running back in the pros now. Um, so he could definitely be one of those, like an Alex Alexander uh, Madison-esque handcuff where they immediately jolt to being a starting running back whenever um, there is an injury um, to that starter in front of them. And don't forget, we could chase the system back to New Orleans where we saw Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara pair up quite often. So that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, as you talk about the second running back having a role, this guy could easily be that kind of Mark Ingram in this back. Yeah, no question. All right, so our final one is Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Tony are both listed as starters for the Giants in the Dable system. Now the question is, because it isn't specified on these unofficial depth charts, they're both starting at receiver. That's great. I don't trust Daniel Jones throw to the outside. Who is our slot? Everything I'm hearing is Robinson. That's, oh, that's what who I heard I from most of the camp. I'm feeling as well, but we're not going to know really until we get into game time. I mean, more or less. I mean, we can we can guess a little bit based on the guys behind them on said depth chart. Like, is this a slot guy? Is this not a slot guy? But at the end of the day, we don't know where they're going to line up, how much they're going to move around, um, all of those things. We won't know until the game time happens. I am, if I'm going to bet, though, like you said, I'm betting on Robinson. And that's why we'll be talking about him a little bit later. Um, with that, is there anything else depth chart wise um, that I missed that you may want to hit on? Uh, Damian Pierce is going to be the starter, just in case somebody people are seem to be <laughs> like magically known just for the first time. Like, yeah, they have two running backs that you know don't play special teams primarily, mm-hmm. so one of them is probably going to be the starter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for unofficial depth chart updates. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Um, All right. So we're going to get into some streaming options for those of you who are streaming, which is I I set it up for quarterback and defense because I feel like those are um, the position most likely to be streamed, to be guys that week to week you're starting different guys, um, debated including tight end there. But I think normally you're going to have at least a guy on the roster um, year round or pretty close to it. So quarterback, I'm going to go ahead and start. And my homer pick for the week will be Matt Ryan, uh, matchup-based, playing Houston week one. uh, Just feels like a a good matchup where you could really see uh, a top 12 finish for him, probably towards the lower end. But that's kind of what you get when you end up streaming the quarterback position, unless you get someone that has that upside or like Ryan Tannehill a few years ago, where you just kind of luck into someone balling out. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of a matchup that is, is decent to target in my opinion. Um, as far as ownership goes, he's 23.7% roster ship on ESPN, 44% on sleepers. So some disparity there, but he's someone who, if you happen to be streaming in your work league on ESPN, definitely, um, could go ahead and grab him, um, and get you at least a clean 20. Um, Chris, you have any, any streaming options at quarterback? Well, first of all, I definitely love the Matt Ryan take. I think that, you know, you need to nail on the head. I don't love Matt Ryan as much as everybody else does for the whole season, but versus a team that has a defense that's questionable at best, who's adjusting their system also because, you know, they're not playing necessarily the same Lovey Smith system now. Um, and you have, I, I believe, I, I don't have the you know, numbers in front of me, but I believe Carson, both Carson Wentz and Philip Rivers both had really nice games, those first games when they played. On their debut, mm-hmm. Frank Reich tends to get up for the first game of the season, tends to game plan well for that first season, first game of the season. So, yeah, I think Matt Ryan is definitely a great value, a great steal. Um, one of the guys that I think that people kind of, you know, maybe are just writing off isn't necessarily somebody who I love, you know, but is a good streaming option is Justin Fields. Uh, the guy that, you know, we hear all about everybody being compared to doing what Jalen Hurts did last year. Well, I don't know exactly he's going to do what Jalen Hurts did last year, but I know he's going to run a lot the ball a lot more than he did last year. That's nothing, but that's the one thing that I can say that I've heard pretty confidently coming out of Chicago that Luke Gotze is going to put him in position to utilize his legs, going to be able to RPO action. Now, the offensive line's atrocious, and it's going to be, could be, get ugly at some points during this game because we saw last year when there's pass rush, what could happen Justin Fields and Chicago's offensive line. 
But for fantasy purposes, it's a lot of extra scrambling yards, extra little third, you know, third 19, you scramble 15, pick up some yards here or there, a lot of easier throws. Cole Clement matches up well with that secondary. You know, the safeties are nothing to write home to me. Ward's banged up in San Francisco. So Fields is a guy who I think is a safe floor with the legs. That's a little bit of upside that you might be able to put in your lineup this week. Where you're, you know, sometimes the streamers, you're kind of just hoping to get what you're getting. Just feels like a little bit more than you're hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about this uh, a week or two ago. But certainly, I think the wide receivers of the Bears, which are bad, and I will probably never throughout the rest of the season say this again, but mixed with the Niners corners, I think that's a really interesting matchup. Now, overall, talent-wise, I would still probably, unfortunately, lean the Niners. However, the actual skill set of the Bears receivers, all of them being deep threats, fast guys, um, Justin Fields has plenty of arm. Certainly, like you said, has that passing upside uh, mixed in with that rushing floor. So, yeah, definitely don't mind the pick. Um, my next guy, as far as a streaming quarterback, would be Jameis Winston. Um, plays the Falcons. He's got pretty decent ownership. He's actually above the 50% mark on sleeper, but ESPN still only 32, actually pretty much 33 to 32.9. Um, but certainly someone who, again, in a work league, probably available, someone who can go grab off of waivers. And again, we're going to see Michael Thomas back. We have Olave. We have uh, Jarvis Landry. Definitely have some options here. We'll have Kamara week one. Um, this defense is awesome. So I think an Atlanta matchup week one, I think I personally believe that Atlanta will be better than a lot of people are giving them credit. However, that is a pretty decent matchup for the Saints team week one um, across the board. Uh, and in you know, with that, I think Jameis could definitely get a handful of passing touchdowns here, similar to what he did against Green Bay to start off last season, where you know it's uh, <laughs> not a ton of volume, not a ton of yards, but just getting a couple of touchdowns because you know they don't have unless they want to. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Podcasting is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing the science of a podcast, hosted by Spreaker from iHeart. This weekly podcast looks at the many sides of the podcasting industry, from success, growth, and technology to the varying challenges we all face. This is one podcast about podcasting you don't want to miss. New episodes launch every Tuesday. Listen to the science of a podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, shove in Mark Ingram on the goal line. That's not Alvin Kamara's game. He's going to be catching the ball in the end zone. So, Chris, any thoughts there? Uh, another guy? Yeah, uh, Winston's a little hard for me because I actually thought about him earlier, and I really love James Winston for this season. And I think that's going to be a recommendation for a lot of people. To, you know, it's a good streaming option. My concern is that I think Atlanta's defense might be surprisingly good, especially that secondary. Um, they have, you know, in Terrell, a shutdown corner. Yes, How many teams do have a shutdown corner? And then you have the fact that they added, you know, numerous pieces for this offseason. This secondary, from everything I'm hearing, especially out of camp, looks pretty good. The linebackers are flying around too. So this Atlanta defense might not, you know, wasn't, Anything right home about last year, people just kind of have my, assume that you're going to have a nice, easy game. But that defense might be better than people think. So that's my only interpretation. I think, you know, Jameis is not a bad play. I just kind of throw some caution that Atlanta might not be as bad as people assume that they are because that defense, from everything I'm hearing, is pretty good. And like I said, when you have a shutdown corner, things can really, you know, fall into place for you. Yeah, certainly agree. Definitely a good point. Um, do you have another quarterback you want to bring up? Otherwise, I'll hit my last one. So this one I'm kind of throwing out. You talked about your homer, and I, I agree with Matt Ryan. I had him on my list. The other one I'm going to go was the guy who's no longer in Indianapolis, is starting in, off in Washington, and that's Carson Wentz. Um, Jacksonville's defense also, I heard, looks a bit better than they had, and it has a little bit of people flying around. Having said that, I still have questions about that offense in general. 
I think that the, when you look at their front four of Washington, even without you know their edge rusher, they still have the ability to get to the quarterback. They're still going to probably give Trevor Lawrence a lot of hard time, costing turnovers possibly. This defense definitely severely underachieved last year, saying it at least. Um, so I think offensively, they have a good, pretty good setup where they can get some short yardage fields. They have good explosive receivers on the outside. Terry McLaurin's going to be matched up with some different guys out there. I know, um, you know, that the, they have Griffin in Jacksonville. They added Campbell. I heard good things about this offseason, but still the secondary is still questionable at best, I think. And Jacksonville's a team I think you could exploit, especially the fact that their prob- offense is probably going to be on the, off the field. I'm sorry, put their offense is going to probably put them off on the field a lot of times defensively allowing Washington to kind of, you know, have a decent amount of opportunities to score. Yeah, no, this is a definitely a good one. Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I've been saying it all off season. People are going to underestimate Wentz in this situation. And again, I am glad to be off the Wentz train as a Colts fan. But at the end of the day, there has not been a competent quarterback in Washington for a very long time. Wentz is much, much better than what they've been trotting out there. Um, so, I mean, we saw Heineke be decent in stretches over the last, you know, year and a half or so. We've seen some of these other guys have stretches. I definitely don't think um, that he – I think he's going to be better than those guys. And this is a matchup that you can absolutely go ahead and hit, even if this defense is a little bit better than last year. Um, and I definitely think that after how much of the blame um, Wentz was given for the last game in Jacksonville last year – he may uh, come very prepared for this go-around. Yeah, it's also a good matchup for this Washington offensive line where they're, not, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're atrocious. But Allen's, you know, pass rusher on the outside. Most of Jacksonville's edge rushers are their key. They don't only get a lot of interior rush, and that's how you get Carson Wentz and Washington all kind of off their game. So I think that kind of adds up well for him as well. Mm-hmm. Good call it for sure. Um, my last guy moving back to Wentz's former division uh, Ryan Tannehill against the Giants, uh, 16.5% in ESPN roster ships, 27% in sleeper. We have all fallen completely off of Tannehill, and I, I'm a little bit shocked that it's to this degree. I'm kind of shocked that he's behind uh, the other two quarterbacks that I mentioned as far as, you know, what percent of rosters that he's on. Um Tannehill is not some great quarterback, but he is a good quarterback that is a perfect scheme fit for what they do. Um, obviously, they have Woods. And again, Giants are not a good team, like probably bottom of near the bottom of the league with um, the two in the AFC South. Uh, you know, they're they're not going to be very good. I You know, this is a good matchup for uh, Tannehill to start off the season, um, you know, show some love to his new receiver group in, you know, Burks, in Woods, in Phillips, all these guys, you know. Um, I, I definitely could see a good start off of the season for Tannehill. I, great call, Adam. You know, it's not just my, my mind, but I think it's probably one of the best calls of the week. Um, when you look at the matchup versus the Giants, I pride myself in knowing personnel pretty well and scouting pretty well. I can't name you the three corners for the Giants right now. Yeah, I don't know they're starting to secretary right now. So, yeah, I mean, losing Bradbury was huge for them. They definitely haven't going to replace him. So I think that's a great call. People are kind of just writing off Tennessee, but when you look at the matchup, it's an outstanding matchup, especially for a team that has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so on to the defenses, and this is definitely something that I'm going to want your take on a lot um, because, again, you know these defenses a lot better than I think most do. Um, So I'm going to go ahead, though, start off with the Dolphins. Um, An interesting one, but with the Pats and kind of with everything we've heard about, um, you know, the two guys that are calling plays here for the Patriots, that's a matchup, obviously, um, that I'm interested in, just purely based on that. And realistically, even if, um, you know, the play calling isn't atrocious with those two, it's probably not going to hurt you that bad. Just one, this defense has a ton of talent. And two, um, just the way this game would go if the Patriots were calling it well, it would likely be a low-scoring game anyways, you know, sub-20. So I feel like your risk-reward here is just in a pretty decent spot. 
Yeah, I mean, look, this was a hard one for me because I do agree with you. I think the page, you know, the Dolphins have a, a a good defense on paper and definitely were shining out towards the end of last year. My co-host Andrew Bader, you know, reminded me of one of the, our yes. shows we discussed about that without Flores though, and he, he took over the play calling for defense and their Dolph, you know, defensively they weren't doing so great in the beginning of the season. It took mm-hmm. Flores taking over and kind of being aggressive again. So I say all that because if this defense is kind of, you know, is returning to not being aggressive like it was beginning of the season, and this is a defense that's, oh, from New England, so one team that might have a chance to game plan mm-hmm. for it might be New England. Um, and I'll add one more caveat. The other thing that's concerning is the secondary of the offense, while it eventually will be really good, it's severely banged up. I'm not sure if they're going to have Jones right now. Their third corner is iffy at best. So he slides up to the second corner. You have some questions. So I say all that. I agree with you. There's a safe floor there. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a shootout by just the means of the game. It's probably not going to be very high scoring. I've heard nothing but good things about, you know, New England defense as well. But I do think this is my own interpretation would be that there is maybe some caution that this is a team that might be prepared for it. I myself own the Dolphins defense in a lot of my leagues, but I'm not playing them week one just for that kind of reason. I want to, I'm kind of want to see. You know, did you learn your lesson last year, so to speak? All right. Definitely. We'll be keeping an eye on them. Um, Chris, do you have a, a defense you want to throw out? Yeah. So I do think, like I said, I don't think it's a bad one. The Dolphins is definitely an interesting one. For myself, I have uh, Washington on that list. I talked about earlier about Jacksonville. I know everybody's, you know, excited that Trevor Lawrence has been freed from Urban Meyer. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> I still have Zay Jones, basically, or Marvin Jones, whatever Jones you want to pick as your second best receiver at best. Um, offensive line that is questionable. I know they added some different pieces, but it still has to kind of gel. A brand new system that you're still kind of adjusting to. And a quarterback who tends to miss high. So you put all those things together with a pass rush that should have, you know, be able to get home. Um, I think for myself, I have Washington as one of those streaming options this week. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, definitely think that their defense can kind of return to form after uh, really being underwhelming last year. Hopefully Washington as a whole can kind of return to form, kind of what we expected out of them. Um, but yeah, definitely agree. That's a good matchup for them. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals here in week one are one that I'm very interested in, at least. Um, not the best defense in the world, but intrigued by the Steelers matchup week one. Definitely a, all this receiver talent. Um, but with weaknesses at O-line at quarterback still continuing, um, I- I'm just not not going to buy into the Steelers' offense being good until I see otherwise. And that leaves me um, with a rivalry game where Trent- Trey Hendrickson could wreak havoc on Trubisky anytime he goes to roll out. And that's about the only thing Trubisky can really do well. So <laughs> um, I don't know. That- that's one that I'm interested in. It could certainly bite you if these receivers are able to get loose because they do have a ton of talent. Um, But you could also see a Bengals defense rack up a lot of sacks and a couple turnovers here pretty quickly. Yeah, it's always appealing to go play against Trubisky, so I can't fault that one too much. (laughs) Um, I do have a little trepidation. I do think Pittsburgh matches up well with them. I don't love the Cincinnati's defense. I think it's really overachieved in their playoff run last year. You talked about Hendrickson. I think there's Hendrickson, and maybe you could throw Hubbard into that discussion, and they have really little else on defense, especially at that front seven. So I do have a little yeah. concerns that they can keep Jabrisky kind of in that pocket. Can they stop Harris? Can they stop some of those weapons? But overall, you make great points that there's probably a turnover to waiting against Mitchell Jabrisky, for God's sake, so he's probably going to turn the blower at some point sooner than later. Um, so it's not a bad call. Yeah, all right. You got a, you got another one here? So my other one, I, I you talked about this team earlier in the Giants, you know, Tennessee Titans defense yep. uh, is definitely healthier. I know they aren't quite there yet, so we'll lost some pieces. But they continue to add more guys. They have a good secondary, young secondary, kind of up-and-coming guys who, like, Farley didn't play last year. So I'm really interested in seeing their defense in general. But an offense that should be able to kind of dominate the line of scrimmage, I wouldn't be surprised the defense to do similar. We've heard nothing good with the offensive line necessarily out of the Giants. We know Daniel Jones loves to turn the ball over. So I know everybody's kind of, you know, giving the Giants and Daniel Jones a new shot. And Tony's healthy and we're talking with Robinson. But we also know it can get quite ugly in your real quickly offensively. So Tennessee Titans is one of those guys that I think is a good play this week. 
Yeah, no. Um, agreed. Actually, that was my third pick as well. Um, so just throw it out there that they are very available, actually. Uh, 14.5% uh, ESPN, 33% sleeper um, as far as what percent of rosters they're on. Um, so both of these teams, or, you know, both platforms, you're able to get um, the Tennessee Titans defense in a lot of leagues. And that's a matchup that, you know, like you said, really great. Um, the Tennessee Titans defense should be a lot better than it was last year and a lot better than people are giving it credit for this year, um, to be frank. Um, but with that, um, unless you have any honorable mentions, we can move on to just general waivers, guys who were interested in off waivers uh, week one. If, for instance, um, you drafted, you know, uh, mid preseason or a handful of weeks ago, and uh, you ended up with kind of one of these preseason training camp type guys that ended up not getting the role you expected, you have a, a spot open, um, you know, these could be guys to transition to. But, Chris, any any other defenses uh, before we switch over? Yeah, I'll just throw one real quick out there. I know we talked about kind of upside Justin Fields, but San Francisco's defense is a good play versus Chicago. That offense is bad. The offensive line is bad. We did see last year when, like I talked about, Trubisky getting numbers. We Justin Fields getting hit. He sacked seven times. I mean, he was basically just, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a siege uh, going mm-hmm. on out there. So that's one team to kind of keep in mind with the 49 front seven. Is definitely better than that for you not, that, that Chicago Bear front line. So that's one of the uh, defenses to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into waivers. And my first guy that I want to throw out there, um, ESPN, mo- mostly he's on most rosters in sleeper. But if, on, if you're in a work league and Daryl Henderson is sitting on waivers where on ESPN he's at 43%, Go ahead and pick up Daryl Henderson. Um, at worst, I think he probably might have some standalone value. And at best, he's one of the best handcuffs in fantasy football right now. Um, on one of the best offenses in NFL football right now. Um, so certainly a guy, um, there's not many guys better to have on your bench because he actually has true upside, you know, if something was to happen to Akers. Or again, he may have some standalone value. We'll kind of see how this running back situation shakes out in um, L.A. Yeah, I like that one. It's definitely a good one. Uh, we talked about this next player on my list that we talked about earlier in the show. That's Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore is still a guy out there. You know, it's a roster spot worth taking. I know a lot of times there's some receivers that I definitely like later on in this draft, but the guy that has a lot of upside, we talked about Kansas City, we talked about Green Bay. Why can't this guy in an offense is basically going to throw for 300 yards every game? You know, you, you can clearly see a role for him. Zach Ertz isn't getting any younger. Rondell Moore is kind of the future for this Arizona team and it was a draft in the second round. So what we saw last year, don't hold against him. I think Rondell Moore is a guy you should be looking to add to your team soon later. Yeah, no, agreed. That's a really, uh, really good one. Um, yeah, I, I think he has a really good opportunity to take up that role that Christian Kirk had last year, um, which is was pretty fruitful in a lot of instances. Um, another second-year guy, at wide receiver, who I find very interesting. Um, not going to play him week one, but certainly someone who I'd either watch list or go ahead and take up off waivers um, if my bench is a little um, out of shape. That's Nico Collins. Um, he's only 20% of ESPN, 29% sleeper. He's a starting wide receiver, too, at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I don't believe in Davis Mills. I don't believe in the Texans. However, there's absolutely in the realm of possibilities a world where, um, you know, Nico Collins is able to step up and this offense is able to step up. So certainly, and then if not, I mean, they could just have volume trying to come back, kind of some of the things that we were talking about with Justin Fields, um, where you find yourselves um, you know, clawing your way back into games. How we saw the Bears' uh, other quarterback, Mr. Trubisky, a handful of years ago have a pretty solid fantasy finish. When you're just, you know, getting a lot of those garbage times points, that's certainly something you could see with, with Houston. Um, so Nico Collins, definitely an interesting one, just by sheer fact of, again, he's the second threat in a passing offense. Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, so my other one's going to be Ryan Mosert. Um, you know, I think Chase Edmonds is definitely the guy to own in the Miami backfield. I think he's the safest guy. He's going to be involved in the past situation. But Ryan Mostert, when he's healthy, has been excellent in this system. And so Michelle Dicka, as we talked about earlier in the show, is now not longer in that backfield. There's no clear guy to kind of threaten him as the early down roll as long as he's healthy. So Ryan Mostert, to me, is a guy who's basically not even you know being forgotten about. And if you're a Chase Edmonds owner specifically, you definitely want to add him. But even if you're not, Ryan Mostert's the guy that, you know, there's some upside there to add to your team. Yeah, no, agreed. He's definitely someone uh, still has the speed whenever he's healthy. Um, so can take one to the house at any given time. This, you know, that scheme coming largely from uh, both the Rams and the Niners, obviously Mostert, the former Niner, um, you know, familiar with the scheme and a great fit for it too. Um my next guy, Romeo Dobbs, of course, we've talked about him a million times, but still uh, Sleeper has caught on. He's above 50% on Sleeper, but on ESPN, a dreadful 19.5% roster ship, um, and he's someone who could quickly uh, carve out a massive role in uh, you know, an elite franchise quarterback's offense. Definitely someone who is worth having on your bench. Um, you know, a mistake that I think a lot of fantasy owners make just in the side is that, you know, having these guys who don't have upside on their bench, but, you know, kind of offer the safe floor. Um, you can get safe floors off of waivers, especially in a lot of these ESPN leagues relatively easily. So it's better, I think, in a lot of instances to just chase upside on your waivers on, or on your bench and be able to kind of cycle through at least your bottom two to three roster spots not saying have, you know, lottery tickets is every single bench spot, but save a couple of them, you know, for that purpose to cycle through. That way you can kind of hit on guys rather than just having someone, um, you know, score 12 points a week on your bench. But, you know, you never never make it to the point where you want to start him, but then you feel weird cutting him too because he's consistently providing value. You don't want to be in that position um, where, you know, a roster spot's just essentially ra- wasted. Um, but, yeah, Dobbs. Um, is definitely a, a good fit there. He has a ton of upside. Yeah, I saw that you know happen last year with some people where there was a guy that I struggled keeping on my roster and I still regret that I didn't, but I didn't. Um, but Elijah Moore had that kind of stretch where he started off really poorly in the beginning of the season, was kind of forgotten about. And a lot of people kind of at the same time saw A.J. Green's quietly but surely getting a six, seven points a game, wasn't doing anything shiny, but getting 60 yards, you know, having three or four catches. A lot of people added A.J. Green. He sat on your bench. Elijah Moore eventually has a kind of burst where he has that four or five game stretch where he's a receiver one. And that probably helped, you know, a lot of people make the playoffs while other people had AJ Green scoring six, seven points and probably did nothing for you. As you pointed out, you probably get that week to week on the waiver wire. So it's a great, great point, Adam. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have another guy you want to throw out there? Yeah. So kind of, you know, sticking to that, th- that, that thought, but also guys have, you know, have injury concerns. Jeff Wilson Jr. is clearly the second running back in San Francisco. We yes. heard nothing else other than that all offseason. The 49ers have shown you nothing but that. You know, they got rid of Trey Sermon. They're not going to usually play the young guy right off the bat. Price isn't even the second backup right now or third backup right now. So there's a clear path for Jeff Wilson Jr. to be heavily involved in anything that happens to Elijah Moore. We saw about two or three years ago before, you know, the COVID hit, Jeff Wilson had that stretch where he was scoring 25, 30 points a game because he was the man. He catches the ball a little bit, runs the ball, nothing special athletically, but has college hand-in-hands trust. And when you catch the ball a little bit and you run a little bit in that system, you know it has a lot of value. So Jeff Wilson Jr. is a guy, if you have a roster spot to kind of play with, the upside, you know, don't worry about, oh, somebody else's handcuffs sometimes. Worry about better handcuffs than the ones with the upside. And that's Jeff yeah. Wilson Jr. in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just get the the best handcuffs kind of overall, whether it's someone else's, whether it's yours, doesn't matter. Um, just get the ones that, you know, aren't going to be talking, you know, about a committee when that guy goes down. Going to get the guys who, um, just like the guy in front of them, kind of become that workhorse, like a Jeff Wilson, like a Madison, um, like how we think maybe a Michelle could be. Um, you know, these are the guys you kind of want as those handcuffs. And just to um, add to that real quick, Adam, you know, also guys like we're talking about Arizona backfield. If Eno Benjamin's going to probably be the pass catcher, he has more of a clearer role to kind of be contributing now and down the road. 
So those are the guys I think that are important to kind of look at as too. Is, does this guy have a potential to kind of be involved now? And then also if there's a, you know, a key injury. So like you saw the Kansas City last year where Daryl Williams was in CHE, they were able to kind of both eat when they both returned. It wasn't, you know, when Edwards wasn't there, it was great for Daryl Williams owners. I was one of those. But, you know, when he returned, it didn't kill you. You saw the flex option. So, you know, that's where it's kind of important. We're seeing the two-headed backfields more and more. And as a result, you're seeing more and more flex options being born out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a good point. Hines is someone who I think kind of falls into that category. Great point. Um, my next guy actually has the potential to fall in that category as well, and that's Rex Burkhead. Um, the Texans, again, I think are a team that are going to be down a lot. And I think if that's the case, you'll be seeing the receiving back a lot. And I still find that Burkhead will be that guy there on third downs. Um, and they'll be facing quite a few third downs in Houston. Um, certainly a guy who has upside. And as you saw, uh, fantasy playoff time last year, Burkhead went kind of berserk for Houston for uh, a handful of weeks uh, to cap off last season. Um, so certainly, at least in Houston, uh, has the ability to be uh, very fantasy valuable, um, you know, being both a receiver and a runner. Um, so I think now I don't find it that crazy for him to be be able to be someone out the gate who's getting, you know, 12 to 15 touches. And then, you know, if a, pri- or a Pierce was to go down, um, that could definitely become a, a real nice spot to be in. Yeah, let's not forget, you know, Paris, all four years in Florida, was never the guy. He's always shared carries with somebody. So it will be interesting if we ever kind of wear it down or be given the job to, you know, be handling all those carries. People mm-hmm. love to look what they saw in preseason, how hard the guy runs. A lot of times hard guys run hard, but they also get hurt easy. So, you know, it's something to kind of keep in mind. That's a great point, Rex Burkhead, where this guy has a role now and down the, you know, down the road possibly. So great, great call. Awesome. Um the one I'll add to that is kind of running back scenes aren't guys so you have to roster, but guys that if you have a player, a spot to kind of mess around with, or you have some guys injured, uh, you know, Jameson Williams, I'm a Jameson Williams drafter because I have that IR to kind of put him on in the meantime, so you can kind of play around with some guys. Uh, two another running backs to kind of think about, so Michelle we talked about earlier, we both I think we agree that it's definitely an upside opportunity. We saw what Melvin Gordon did there in that offense a few years ago. If Michelle could even capture some of that, that'd be wonderful for him. And then Hilliard, Dalton Hilliard from, you know, the Tennessee Titans. I know a lot of people like Haskins going into this year. You heard a lot about him coming into the, out of the draft. But Hilliard's become the guy, and not only has he become the guy, he's going to be the third down running back. And from everything I'm understanding and hearing, that if there was something to happen to Henry, Hilliard would more than likely be the guy because he's been so oppressive with all the things he can do in that backfield. So he's a guy that might have some, you know, value now early on if Tennessee's to fall down and we don't kind of see the offense kind of catch its niche. But also a guy that down the road, you know, Derrick Henry owners, you have, he's getting older, had coming off a major injury last year. So, you know, have some kind of security or even, as we talked about earlier, having somebody else's upside on your bench is even better. You know, look at somebody like that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, definitely all good call outs um, there. Uh, I've alluded to this one before um, already on this show. But Wandale Robinson is my last guy. If he does indeed have this slot role, I think it will be the only uh, outside uh, Saquon. It will be the only money thing on this Giants offense. Um, wasn't a huge Wandale guy coming out of college. What I will give him is he is freaky fast. And he's able to translate that to the NFL. He is very fast. He is very quick. Uh, he is someone who I think had the ability to learn a route tree. He had the physical ability to. He turned his hips well. However, didn't run one really at all in Kentucky. Um, so I definitely had concerns there. Um, but I, I think you could find him do really well in the slot role, especially in a Dable offense, and especially with um, someone like uh, Daniel Jones, who can feed a slot. That's not about all he can do, but he can feed a slot receiver to fantasy relevance. Just ask Sterling Shepard. So, Chris, any any final guys? Yeah, we started off the show talking about Isaiah McKenzie and his return and how excited we were for him, kind of his role in Buffalo. And coming full circle, a guy that you talked about scouting, when Robinson, McKenzie profile, very similar, not a great route runner, was kind of raw, very quick, though, very good athletically. We saw him kind of find his niche last year. Robinson's already been given the opportunity where McKenzie kind of had to earn it last year. So mm-hmm. I think there's a clear role for Robinson. He's also the coach's pick. Never forget that. 
You know, we always wear the guys getting their quarterbacks. Sometimes I like their players too. Tony wasn't their pick. Holiday wasn't their guy. That their second rounder, they got a, a guy that you know a lot of people judged, but they stuck their neck out for. So there's every reason in the world to expect that he's probably going to get fed the ball. So I think Robinson's a great call. And I'll add one more to you. This is my necessarily to you know run out and get, but if you're in a full point PPR, especially, I would definitely look at this guy, David Bell. You and I talked about him going in the draft. We've always been a big fans of his, but we know Jacoby Brissett doesn't look outside the hashes very often. But Jalen Waddle got a lot of targets inside those hashes last year, did he not? It's a slot receiver. He got yep. a crap ton of targets. So I know Cooper's the big name there, but if David Bell's truly a slot receiver in this offense, there's an easy opportunity for this guy to have six, seven catches per game. It might not be for huge yardage or a huge amount of touchdowns, but it could be you know five or six, seven catches every week. So it's a guy for me that I think David Bell is a guy that's kind of being forgotten about because Jacoby sets the quarterback, but it actually might actually benefit him more than it benefits Cooper. Yeah, I mean, that – Nijoku was another guy kind of in that vein who I think I love um, has, has a ton of value. Um, yeah, I, I think he's someone that you and I may not think of as a waiver target because if, if he's sitting people, there, yeah, people, yeah, people forgot him somehow. But, but uh, certainly probably available in a lot of leagues, again, especially on an ESPN. Yeah, him um, and Evan Ingram, guys, you know, don't, don't be the last ones to catch on to those two. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, Chris, unless there's any last guys you want to hit, I think that pretty much wraps us up. No, I'm super excited. I cannot wait till this, you know, to kick off. The one thing I'm going to encourage everybody, Adam, and I think we'll talk about this you know, after the last show, we always kind of gave our, our words of advice last year's shows. Yeah. And one of my tips for this year is never re- overreact to week one. Yes. Um, you're going to see different coaches who can kind of game plan off season. And prepared for it. Some coaches aren't as good at that. Some coaches don't adjust well. Some coaches' players are going to be taken away, where you're going to have teams that we're just not going to let this player beat us. So you might have a lot of number one receivers, for example, not shine out how you expect them to because that's kind of how the game plan goes. Um, so don't overreact or panic after week one. Yeah, and I mean, to jump in on that, like uh, the variance that we're still seeing with this gap week uh, between the preseason and the regular season, I think teams are still kind of learning how to work around that. Um, and as a result, we're seeing very different um, ways that teams are handling the preseason and, and training camp and practice, where on one hand, you're seeing teams where the starters have already played 75 live snaps, and then other teams, Devontae Adams hasn't touched the field as a Raider yet. Um, so some some teams might, uh, you know, come out of the gate really hot. You know, they've played already. They've got that chemistry some teams might not, but then on the flip side, you might, you know, see that wear and tear uh, come in interesting times. So I- I'm not saying one thing or the other, whether that's good or not, but I am saying um, that you're going to see a lot of variance, I think, um, you know, week one um, that, you know, will probably work itself back out, you know, regress to the mean, um, you know, come a couple weeks from now. Yeah, exactly. You're going to see a lot of times, like I said, it's going to be game plans where you might see specific guys being game planned and taken away or certain guys being featured more so just because, whereas you're talking, you're alluding to, you know, the team's still kind of adjusting to find out who they really are in a sense and kind of how they're going to hit the ground running. I'm a big believer that you, you can't really judge the NFL season until week, well, week four, week five anymore because it's going to be back and forth who can adjust, who can't adjust, who game plan certain ways. And then the one thing I do look for that week one is, for when, especially for the money players, it does the coaching staff move that player around? If you have a guy who's probably not going to move around, then it's something you might be a little bit more concerned about playing that guy and maybe look for a little guy who has a little easier matchup. Um, so, for example, and I don't know if this is definitely going to happen, but let's say Michael Thomas is a starter for New Orleans. And we kind of haven't seen Michael Thomas, but he's a big name. You love him. And you hear, you know, he's going to have Trayvon Mullen following him around. Okay, well – Maybe I'm not as big on Michael Thomas now, so maybe I go with a Dalton Schultz, who isn't somebody who I drafted as high as Michael Thomas, but I have him on my roster as a receiver option I can kind of throw out there. And now I can kind of play somebody who has a good matchup because we look at you know Dallas. We talked about Noah Brown being a starter. Well, see, he's probably going to eat, but who else is going to eat? So that's where you can kind of maybe plan for the game planning in a sense ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely good point. You know, those guys who – you're getting moved around a lot. There's typically a reason. Those are the focal points. So you want those guys. Um, so definitely a good point. Um, all right, guys. That should wrap us up. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, make sure to uh, go ahead and tune in to the other episodes of Belly Up Fantasy Live. You'll find us on Wednesdays. You'll find us on, uh, I know, Saturday – or sorry, Sunday is 11 a.m. I don't know the Wednesday time yet. That's going to be a new show coming 
for um, the NFL season. So definitely excited. Go check those out. Also, go make sure to check out the Belly Up MDFF show. So, Chris, give us the official regular season schedule. Yes, so we'll be covering on Thursday. Well, I myself will be joining Dan Mater. He'll be doing five days a week starting towards the beginning of the season. But we're just going to be kicking it off this regular season right now with our two shows. So we'll have our regular preview show on Thursday. And on Friday, we have our DFS show. We'll be joined by Chad Flaherty. And also is doing our gambling betting and giving you some tips of guys to look forward going into the weekend. Um, you know, not only fantasy kind of making some money, get a chance to make some money betting too right now. So, you know, definitely tune in and excited to continue. Like I said, Adam, football is two days away. You're very excited. Very excited there. Yeah. Uh, Again, thank you so much. And we will see you uh, next week, next Tuesday. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.